Take your Bibles, please, and turn them with me to Ephesians chapter number 5. All this month, we are focusing on the family here at Mount Zion. Now, why are we doing this? We believe, according to the Scripture, that the family is the foundation for the nation. If you believe that this morning, say amen. Amen. When the family begins to crumble, then the nation will soon follow. And so we want to do everything we possibly can do as the people of God to strengthen families. And we know we strengthen godly families by applying the truth of God's Word. And so we're looking at what it means to have a godly family. Now, if the family is the foundation for the nation, we know the foundation for the family is a godly marriage. Now, singles, I want you to listen to me. Don't tune me out or turn me off just yet because all of what we're going to be saying today will apply to everyone if we take it as the truth of the Word of God. But I do have something to say to singles, and I will be saying it in the next few weeks. But today, we're still talking about the family, the marriage, and what God says concerning both. Now, last week, or a week before last, we looked into the Word of God and we saw what godly marriage, what God's divine design according to His truth really looks like. Now, according to God's divine design, His plan for marriage, we know that marriage is supposed to be one man and one woman for all of a lifetime. Now, that has not changed. Popular opinion might have changed. Um, Our leader's view on what marriage is supposed to be or not supposed to be has changed. But how many of you know God's Word remains the same? And God's Word does not change. It is not swayed by popular opinion. It's not swayed by which leader we have in office. Listen to me, folks. God's Word is eternal. And what God has said concerning marriage is still the same as it's always been. Again, we need no redefinition of marriage for God's definition of marriage is all that really counts. He's the one who created marriage. And so, how did God create it? One man, one woman for a lifetime. Now, last week, we started with the man. And we looked at the husband's role in a marriage. We looked at the godly husband according to the truth of the Word of God. Why did we start with men last week? I'll tell you why. Because God's Word always starts with men. God starts with the man for a purpose because man has been given headship and responsibility in the home. And like we said last week, guys, the buck stops with us. We are responsible for what happens or does not happen In our home, we are called to be pastors in our home, leading our families to Jesus. And all of us are leaders. We're either good leaders or we're bad leaders, or we're somewhere in the middle. And all of us have growing room, but we are called to lead our families unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Today, I want to look at the godly wife, the woman's uh, role in the home, the wife's role in the marriage. Now, we're going to finish what we started there in Ephesians chapter 5, but what I want to read to you is um, verses 21 through verse number 33. We want to rebuild some foundations, amen? Because that is so necessary. Again, that family being the foundation of our nation. If we really want to change things, it 
starts with us. It starts with where we live. And I was just last week talking, many of you know that we are beginning our building project here at Mount Zion. And I was talking to the contractor just last week. He said, Brother Israel, what we're going to do starting tomorrow, um, this Monday, he said, we're going to uh, dig down and pour you a foundation. He said, we want to pour you a foundation so that we will have something strong to build on. I love that. Brothers and sisters, I want to tell you, there's some preaching in that. Now, what we want to do today is dig down deep into the Word of God and find some good, solid, firm foundation to build our marriages on, to build our families on so that we might make a difference in the world that we live in. Um, now, what I'm going to tell you today is not going to be popular according to the popular opinion of what a marriage is supposed to be or a wife is supposed to be. It's going to, not going to match up with the modern feminist movement. It's not going to match up with Cosmopolitan magazine. But how many of you know that's okay? Because what I'm going to give you is, we, is what we dig out of the Word of God. And we're going to find some bedrock of truth that we can build upon if we apply it unto ourselves. Now look what it says there in verse number 21. It says, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as Christ, as the church, excuse me, is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives. Husbands, love your wives. Husbands. Love your wives. Now listen, how many of you know, this is not if you want to. This is not if you feel like it. It seems to me that the Word of God is making a commandment. Love your wives. You may not always want to. You may not always feel like it. But the Bible says, love your wives for love is a choice. It's not just a feeling. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Look at verse 33. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence or respect her husband. Let's pray together. Father God, we love you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you, Lord, for giving us truth. Uh, and Father, on the function of the marriage, of the home, and what it's supposed to look like according to your word. And I'm asking you now, Lord, that you make this real to us. Lord, I can preach truth, but only you can impart truth. 
So I'm asking you to impart the truth of your word to the hearer this morning. Fill me up, use me, pour me out into the lives of these people for your honor and for your glory. Lord, this is not about me. It's not about us. Lord, we want to make it all about you, Lord Jesus. Show us what we need to see according to your truth, the word of God. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name and for your sake. Amen heard a story one time about a man who had been listening to his pastor. His pastor had been preaching on prayer. And his pastor had said that a man who prays in faith can expect to have what he prays for. And so that man started believing that. He started praying in faith. And he got down before the Lord one day as he was getting ready for his day to start. And he said, Lord, I've got something I want to talk to you about. He said, I want to pray to you about my wife. He said, first of all, I asked Lord that you would um, help my wife to never disagree with anything I say. Lord, I want you to make sure that whatever I say, she's okay with. And she never gives me a cross word in disagreement in anything I want to do. Lord, I'm praying that whenever I get home from work in the evening that I'd have a popping hot dinner on the stove. That my wife would have cleaned the house and it would be in perfect condition. I'm praying, Lord, that my wife would be sitting there ready with a pair of slippers (laughs) to to rub my feet and place those slippers upon those feet. Lord, I'm praying that all of this would be done in my marital relationship. And after he got finished praying, he listened because the man understood that prayer is a two-way street. We don't just talk to God in prayer, but when we choose to pray, if we'll listen, God will talk to us. And so the Lord spoke back to the man. and He said, "Uh, I don't know if I can, can do everything you're asking. There's a lot that goes in. Do you want anything else? And he said, well, yeah, I've got one other thing that I could probably need and I probably need and probably want to ask for. He said, I've got a daughter who lives in Hawaii, Lord, and I hate to fly, but I really love my daughter. Now, I love my daughter more than I hate to fly, so I fly when I have to, but I would visit her so much more if I had a bridge from the United States mainland all the way to Hawaii. If I had a bridge I could drive on, I would visit her. So if you would, Lord, I know you're able. If you would, make me a bridge from the mainland in the United States to the state of Hawaii. And the Lord said, there's a long pause. And God spoke back to the man and he said, how long do you want that bridge? Sometimes, It's easier to build a bridge to Hawaii than to truly understand what submission in a marriage is all about. Now let me say something to you. God couldn't answer that man's prayer because he didn't truly understand submission. You could tell he didn't understand what submission according to the word of God really uh, is all about because of what he prayed. All of what he prayed was what he wanted what he thought he needed, and the way he thought things ought to go. And so God couldn't answer that prayer. That's, what not, that, that's not what submission is all about. And, and ladies, I want to tell you something. It's not that a lot of men don't understand submission and try to use it wrongly. It's that a lot of times ladies don't understand submission and run from it. 
And because of that, our marriages is not what it's supposed to be. And listen, that, uh, that um, uh, has a great effect on everything else in the family relationship. We need to get a biblical understanding of submission. And so I've got three things that I want to point out to you this morning. First of all, I want to talk to you about the alignment of submission. What submission really looks like according to the Word of God. Because we can't run from these scriptures. And we shouldn't run from these scriptures. And ladies, I'll promise you this. If you get a right understanding of these scriptures, you won't want to run from them. And so let's answer the question, what is submission according to the Bible? Well, the Bible says that wives ought to submit to their husbands as the church submits unto the Lord Jesus Christ. If we want to define submission, it would be this. It's putting yourself under the authority of another. And so according to Scripture, the wife is supposed to put herself under the authority, listen to me now, of a godly husband. Of a godly husband. There are some conditions here that we need to take note of. I want you to first of all see the alignment. Brother, if you will, please put for me on the screen 1 Corinthians chapter number 11 and verse number 3. Now watch what this says. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 3, we get a hold of the alignment as far as submission goes in the Word of God. He says, but I would have you now, you now know that the head of every man is Christ. And the head of the woman, watch this now, is the man. And the head of Christ is God. Now, according to the last part of that verse, who is the head of Christ? Well, it's God the Father. So who's first in the line of submission? God the Father. All right. Now, under God the Father, we see that it comes the Lord Jesus Christ. So, God the Father is the head of Christ. What's the, what's the scripture also say? That um, Christ is the head of what? Every man. So then you have the man, the husband. And then the Bible says, if we've got it in right alignment... That the, the, the head of Christ is God the Father. Christ is the head of the man or the husband. And then according to God's alignment that the wife is then aligned under the godly husband. Isn't that what the scripture tells us? Now, for us to understand truly what submission is, we need to understand what it's not. Now, let me say something to you, um, husbands and wives. Submission is, it does not, if your wife is in submission to you, husbands, it does not mean in any way, shape, form, or fashion that your wife is inferior to you. Or that your wife is less than you. Or that your wife, her purpose is of any um, less importance than your purpose. Now let me tell you how I know that. Because how many of you understand that Jesus is in no way inferior to God the Father? Isn't that right? According to Scripture, Jesus said, I and the Father are one. That means that Jesus is no more God than God the Father, and God the Father is no more God than God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. They are both equal in being. As far as who they are, there's no difference. 
They are both equal in being, but now let me say something to you. If they're going to fulfill God's purpose, they're not going to be equal in function. How many times have we said throughout this series of messages that, folks, um, we are equal in the marital relationship, the husband and the wife, but we're not sane. We have different function according to the way God has aligned things. We have different purposes according to how God has aligned the, the family structure. And if we want God's blessing on our family, we have to do it God's way. Now, how do we know that Jesus was in submission to his heavenly father? Not because he was inferior, but because, listen, he wanted to fulfill God's purpose. We know it according to Matthew 26. Matthew 26, verses 39 and verse number 42. Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane right before he goes to the cross. You know what he prays? He says, Lord, meaning Master, amen, meaning the one who is in control over me, the meaning the one who has authority over me. He said that there be any other way, any other way that we can fix this thing besides me going to the cross. Let this cup pass from me. Amen? He says, but nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. He prays that twice. Jesus is saying, Lord, it's not about what I want. It's not about my purpose. It's not about my plan. It's about your plan. And whatever I have to do to get the plan fulfilled, that's what we're going to do. Not because he was inferior, listen, but because the purpose had to be fulfilled and if, and if Jesus didn't go to the cross, then how many of you know none of us could be saved? Are you getting me? So Jesus willingly, and you'll see that over and over and over again all throughout the Gospels. You'll see that time upon time Jesus would say, I, I'm not preaching what I want to preach. I'm preaching what the Father tells me to preach. I'm not doing what I want to do. I'm doing what God the Father tells me to do. I'm not going where I want to go. I'm doing what God the Father tells me, or going where God the Father tells me to go. He is putting himself under the authority of God the Father. Even though they are equal in being, they're not equal in function. And the same is true in the relationship of a husband and a wife. Now let me say something to you, men. Your wife is under no obligation to put herself under your, or submit to you, put herself under your authority if you are not under the authority of Christ. If you are not living in a way that's pleasing to the Lord Jesus... If you are not putting yourself under his authority, then don't be surprised if it's hard for her to put herself under your authority. But I will say this, listen to me. A man that is loving his wife as Christ loved the church, that means unconditionally and sacrificially. A man that loves in that way, ladies, let me see if you, you would agree with this. I, I bet it's a whole lot easier for that woman to put herself under the submission of a man, listen to me now, under the authority of a man who, first of all, loves her unconditionally and loves her sacrificially. Would you agree with that? You see how this works? Not only now is it needful for... Um, uh, you to be under Christ, but listen, it's, it, it's necessary because then your wife is willing to put herself under your authority knowing that you love her. Makes all the difference. A lot of times, we get the alignment mixed up. The alignment of submission is Christ puts himself under God the Father. God the Father puts 
uh, or excuse me, man puts himself under Christ and then the woman, the wife, puts herself under a godly husband. This is God's alignment of submission according to the truth of his word. And how many of you know, if we're going to fulfill God's purpose through our family, this is how we got to line it up. This is how we got to do it. Again, if we want God's blessing, then we got to do it God's way. See, submission in that day in the Greek language, it was a military term that was used to describe a private putting himself under the authority of the general. Not that the private was any way inferior to the general or of less importance importance than the general. Because how many know if you don't have privates to fulfill the will of the general, the purpose of the army is not going to be completed. To fulfill the purpose... You've got to do it God's way. Submission, according to Priscilla Shirer, the daughter of Dr. Tony Evans, I love how she puts it. He said, ladies, when, she said, ladies, when you really understand submission, you understand that it's you ducking so God can hit your husband. I like that. It's the wife who realizes that ultimately her husband is going to be held responsible um, for what goes on in their family. And so she will put herself under the authority of a loving husband who loves that wife as Christ loves the church. Not to hurt him, but to help him. Not to go against him, but be for him. Not pulling in two opposite directions, but working together for one purpose, and that's to fulfill God's purpose for their family. So that's the alignment of submission. But then I also want you to see the aim of Satan. I got a man who works with us, and he always says this. He'll, he'll always tell you what he's aiming to do. Now, you know, I know what he's saying when he says um, he's aiming to do this or he's aiming to do that. That's his plan. That's what he has Uh, He wants to do. So what is the aim of Satan? We've seen the alignment of submission according to the word of God. But I want you to know Satan also has an aim. He has a plan. He has a purpose. And what he wants to do is destroy everything God has done and is doing. Now where do we find that? Take your Bibles. Turn with me back all the way to Genesis chapter number 3. Now look at this. Genesis chapter 3, starting in the first verse. Now the serpent was more subtle or crafty than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. So here you have Satan in the form of a serpent coming unto Eve to tempt her with the forbidden fruit. God gave them one commandment. He said, you can taste of every tree of the garden. Anything that you want here is yours except for one tree. That's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So God gave that command to Adam. Adam gave that command to his wife. That's how God set it up. You go back and look in Genesis 2, and you're going to find that. Now let me say something to you folks. Why did Satan come to Eve with a proposal of eating the fruit? Why did he do that? Because he's wanting to destroy everything God has created. He's wanting to get things out of alignment. He wants um, Eve to put herself in the place of Adam. And he wants Adam to be put 
in the place of Eve. He wants Eve to make the decision for the family, and that's ultimately what happens. Listen to me. Anytime you get things out of alignment in your home, the way God says it's supposed to be aligned, let me tell you what's going to happen. Satan is going to have a field day in your household. You cannot expect God's blessing if you get things out of alignment from how He has planned it. I used to have an old car. And to turn it left, you'd have to turn it about a round and a half. And if you was going down the road and you wanted to turn it right, you had to turn it about a round and a half. Let me tell you why. Because somebody had drove that vehicle for a long time without any of alignment. They never got that front end worked on to make it do what it was supposed to do. And so over time... Driving it out of alignment wore out those front end parts and the tires and everything else. And it caused a whole lot of trouble in getting that car down the road. You couldn't fulfill the purpose, let me tell you why, for that car because it was like holding a wrestling rod just trying to keep it in the, in the lanes because somebody had let it go out of alignment for too long. Let me tell you why a lot of marriages are not fulfilling their purpose and thereby the family not fulfilling their purpose in this world is because Satan has tricked us and we've got things out of alignment. We know how he works because he's still doing the same stuff he's always done. Let me tell you why he's still doing the same stuff he's always done because it's still working. He's getting things out of alignment. A lot of times what you'll have is um, under this, and I don't have room on the board, but under the, the, the wife would then come some children that would be under the authority of that mama. Can you say amen? And a lot of times what we do, we get the children out of place. And we put them above everything else in the household. Satan knows exactly how to work this. And it's still what he's doing in homes all over this country. Let's see how it worked out for Adam and Eve. Look what it says in verse number 2. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Now how many of you know Eve knew the truth because she had gotten the truth from her husband? Genesis chapter 2, long before God created Eve, Listen to me now. He gave Adam the commandment not, for, not to partake of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Then he created Eve. So God gave this truth to Adam. Then Adam gave this truth to his wife. But when Satan comes, he don't come to Adam. He comes to Eve because he wants to get things out of alignment. He wants to change the position. And so guess what happens? It costs this family greatly. Guess what? It cost us greatly. They fell into sin, and that sin became a cancer that was passed down to each and every one of us. They ruined paradise, and it all started because they got things out of alignment in their family. So not only does your decisions in your home affect you, it affects everybody around you. Don't just affect your circle. There's a lot of circles connected to yours. Amen? Now Satan knew what he was doing. He came to Eve to change her position. But I also want you to notice the passive nature of Adam. 
And guys, let me tell you something. We are to lead in a way that is pleasing unto God. And that way is to love our wives as Christ loves the church, leading them unto Jesus, leading them in the things of God. But we must lead actively and not passively. Let me tell you how active Adam was trying to lead. He was trying to be a very passive leader. And so Eve comes to Adam. This is the picture here. And she says to Adam, I've got this tree. I've got this fruit. And the, 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 the serpent says it's good for me to eat. We'll become gods. And I'm going to eat of the fruit. And, and you know what Adam says? Well, honey, I guess if you've eaten of the fruit, then I'm going to eat of it too if you think that's best. Now, Adam knew what God said. Adam knew what God had commanded. But being a passive leader, he said, Honey, if it's okay, if that's what you want to do, I guess that's what we'll do. Now, how many times does that still happen today? Men who know what God says. Men who are called to lead their families in the ways of the Lord, but choose to follow the direction of their wives. The same happens today. Satan still works in the same way. Let me tell you something, man. Stand on the truth of the Word of God. Lead your family in the ways of God. You can expect God's blessing. And let me say something to you, ladies. If you've got a man who loves you as Christ loves the church, you've got a man um, who loves you unconditionally and sacrificially like we talked about last week, and you choose not to put yourself under his authority, guess who's got the problem? Listen to me. A lot of times, a man will not stand up and lead actively. He tries to lead passively, and it causes great problems. But a lot of times, you've got a man who is loving his wife as Christ loves the church, who has put himself under the lordship of Jesus, and then his wife is to put herself under his authority in the home, and, and the wife chooses not to submit to him. And that, that home lives in turmoil. That marriage stays in turmoil. Because like we've said before, no marriage can have two heads. Anything with two heads is a freak, and anything with no head is dead. So we've got to make a decision what we're going to do. We need to see the alignment of submission according to the Word of God. We need to see the aim of Satan. He wants to get things out of order. But folks, we also need to see the advantage of applying Scripture to our marriages, to our families, to our individual lives. Let me show you how you can have a marriage that God is pleased with and a marriage that you want, a marriage that... Um, you don't have to endure and just get by in, but you can enjoy. Look what the Bible says in the book of Ephesians chapter 5. Go back to that verse of Scripture down in verse number 33. Ephesians 5.33 says, Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, watch this now, even as himself. I can't stress this to you enough. How many of you know that God knows you better than you know you? And God says the greatest need for a woman is to be loved by her husband. Ladies, if you agree with that, say amen this morning. Amen. Do you believe your greatest need is to feel loved and know that 
You are loved by your husband like the Bible says as Christ loved the church. Well, that's what God says. That's your greatest need. But let me say something to you, guys. I want you, you, if you agree with this, you say amen. If your greatest need is to know that you are respected by your wife. And I would agree with that. God who knows us better than we even know ourselves says that the greatest need for the wife is to be loved by her husband and the greatest need for the husband is to be respected by his wife. And the scripture says if we'll do that, if you want to know how to have a happy marriage, you find it right here in Ephesians 5.33. That husband loving his wife and that wife putting herself under the authority of that godly Loving husband who has put himself under the authority of Christ. And when you get that lined up like it's supposed to be lined up, you can experience the blessing of God in your marriage and in your family. This morning, you need to see the alignment of submission. What submission truly is. It's not a dictatorship where the husband rules the household. It's a man who has submitted himself to the Lord Jesus and a woman who has submitted herself unto the godly husband who loves her like Christ loves the church. When you get that lined up, I'm telling you, God can and He will work in your family like never before. He can and He will work in your marriage like never before. You can have the marriage you want. You can have the marriage your kids need. You can enjoy your marriage instead of enduring your marriage. Everybody stand up. This is your invitation. You are invited this morning to just get along with Jesus. Right where you are in this altar, wherever the case, whatever the case may be, whatever you choose, I'm just praying this morning, you get alone with the Lord Jesus Christ and do business with Him. If you're here today and you've never yet trusted in Christ as your personal Savior, why not today? The Scripture says today is the day of salvation. And folks, this morning I can show you according to Scripture what it means to trust in Jesus. I can't save you. Walking this aisle won't save you. Being in this church won't save you. But I can share with you the absolute truth of the Word of God. The same Jesus who has saved me can and will save you if you'll trust Him. And mama's own tell you something. You want to be the mama God's pleased with and your children need? The first step is to know Christ as your personal Savior. You'll never love your kids like you're supposed to love your kids. Like you need to love your kids until you know the love of Jesus. Until you've experienced the love of Jesus. And if you need to be saved today, you come. That's for everybody, not just mama's. If you're here today and you just won't come pray for your family, for your friends, for your marriage, for whatever. How many of you know that God is able? How many of you know? Listen, the scripture says in 1 John 5, 14, that if we ask anything in accordance to His will, listen, He hears you. God's not hiding from you. He is ready, willing, and able to meet your need. 
if you give it to him. If you do it his way. Maybe you just need to come pray for a lost loved one. Lost friend. These altars are always open. Maybe you need to be baptized. You've been saved, but you know you've never been baptized. We can handle that. Maybe you want to join this church. You say, Brother, I've prayed about it. I know this is where the Lord wants me to serve. Well, if that's the case, today make that decision. What are you waiting on? I guess what I'm saying is, if you've never been saved, come let us help you. We'll share with you in the Word of God what it means to trust in Jesus. But if you have been saved and you're looking for a place to serve, why don't you come help us? If you need the Lord in any way, this is your invitation. You'll be closing the service. Whatever God spoke to your heart, be submissive to His will. Today, all of us, all of us, need to put ourselves under the authority of the Lord Jesus. Whatever you need, you come. Brother, play for us.